Hey, this is Jason from the Missing Save File. Just wanted to say thanks for listening to our first ever episode of our podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, just search for Missing Save File. I'm going to say Missing Save File a couple of times because throughout the duration of this podcast, you will hear us not really give this show a name or talk about how we're still looking for a name. That's because when we recorded this pilot episode, we were still just trying to figure out what this thing was and with that, what to call it. So we have since figured that part out. Uh, the rest of it, we'll kind of figure it out as we go. So if you want to follow us on the journey, the social media is uh, probably the best way to get a hold of us. Again, Twitter uh, or Facebook, you can find us at Missing Save File, or you can uh, find our email address at our website, missingsavefile.com. We would love to hear from you. Do you have some games that you're absolutely in love with that you think are must plays that you think might be in our piles of shame? Uh, toss us some suggestions uh, on social media or on email. We'd love to get those. Again, the whole idea with this project is for us to play as many games as we can and as many games as we just, you know, somehow didn't get around to the first time around. So we hope you really enjoy this first episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. And if you like it, please remember to leave us a positive review on iTunes uh, and tell a friend about the show. Really, that's the best way you can help out any podcast. Word of mouth really counts. So here it is. First episode of Missing Save File. Enjoy. Hi there. I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. And we are doing a podcast. Uh, we don't have a name for this thing yet, Paul. We, we don't know what we're going to call it. Some potential ideas, but yeah. yeah. We're, we're kicking around <laughs> some stuff, but this is the untitled video game podcast project. But essentially, um, we've compared a lot of notes. We've gone back and we've said, you know, there's just a lot of games that I haven't played that I've always meant to get back to. Piles of shame. Piles of shame. Exactly. Yeah. And this is the video game podcast that will dive into that, whether it's a retro game, a current generation game uh, from the fifth console generation, from the from the greatest console generation. It doesn't matter. We are going to dive into those piles of shame and we're going to dig up some of those games that we just never got around to uh, and we're going to play them. And talk about them. And and I think this is going to be really uh, fun for a lot of reasons. Obviously, a, an excuse to get into that pile of shame. But also, it'll be interesting to look at some of these games through a new lens if, if they're several years old. Um, and I think we've got a pretty good game picked out for our first conversation. Well, I guess you don't know if it's a pretty good game or not, do you? Because you haven't played it. It feels like this is the book equivalent of like... Oh, you haven't read this wonderful classic of of the modern era? Like I, everyone talked about this game when it came out. I I never yeah, played it. Yeah, it's it's kind of an old man in the sea. Uh -huh. Like a, you know, you you should have you should have played it in high school, but you know, <laughs> maybe you just skimmed your way through that test. I did. I I read the cliff notes uh, and I was like, that's fine. I've I've watched I guess the equivalent of that in the modern era is I watched a Twitch stream uh, on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. That'll do it. <laughs> um yeah, so we put together some lists uh, of of games that we would sort of recommend to each other, and then went on them and uh, and said we've played this, we haven't played this, um, and I think I, this one is is sort of in there with uh, a braid or a bastion is is kind of that that era that I would put it in those indie games of that era, but you've already played both of those, so yes, um, <laughs> this yep. is the one we're on. Yeah, um, we ha I've never played Fez. I, I don't have a good reason that I've never played Fez, other than I've just never played Fez. Um, I had, you know, we were going back through our, our lists. I have the Steam key, um, which I feel like everybody has a Steam key of, of Fez, Braid. I was and saying, yeah, I probably have through 
through bundles and things like that. I probably have an extra one sitting around. <laughs> I, there's definitely lots of copies of Fez out there. Well, and what's interesting, I'm, I'm now realizing this too. Um, there was a documentary made. Yeah, I think I have that in Steam too. So... <laughs> <laughs> I've watched that documentary, like, indie indie game oh, the okay. movie. Yeah, uh, that came out in 2012. I uh -huh. I watched that, um, and I was like, wow, this this Phil Fish character is real interesting. Um, I should play his video game, and I sure never did. <laughs> and then you didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a fun little game. Um, I'm I'm interested to go back to it because I think the last time I played it was um, I don't know maybe four years ago. Um, I'm interested to see how it keeps holding up. If it's still a fun little indie game, um, if it feels dated, or um, what sort of things I see in it now that um, I see in other games. Because my thought at the moment is that um, I haven't played many other games that are that sort of take the mechanic it has. A few, but um, not a ton. So it'll be really interesting, I think, to go back to it. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, for those of you who know, obviously it's a it's a puzzle platformer, as I guess how it's it's officially listed. Uh, came out back in 2012, um, which now feels like a much longer <laughs> ago time <laughs> than than it really probably should. Yep. Um, it has an iOS port that came out in uh, 2017, so you can actually play that on mobile now. Oh, weird. Um, it's also had a PS4 update, so um, you can play it on PS4. I don't believe you can play it on... Well, it might be on backwards compatibility now that I think about it on Xbox 360. Well, check that out. Uh, Steam, you know, Microsoft Windows, it's got a Linux version, uh, OS 10. So this thing is kind of all over the place. So uh, I would say, too, the um, one of the things that is maybe... Um, well, not even a memory of the game because I listen to it pretty frequently. Um, the soundtrack is by Disaster Piece, which is a um, who's a, a phenomenal um, Chip Tombs composer, um, an artist, uh, and that soundtrack is just so great. Nice, it's such a good, um, such a good soundtrack. Well, I will yeah. I will sync my Xbox One controller to my PC. I will put on my uh, Sony studio quality headphones. Oh man, yeah, there you uh, go. And I will, uh, I will play some some Fez. I I think you know what's probably a good idea is we should set up some ground rules uh, when we do this because we may be talking about indie games like Fez, uh, which is what we're going to do for <clears throat> for this episode. We're going to break here after our short conversation. We're going to pl uh, play this game again. We're going to come back and talk about it within this very episode. Over time, it's not like we're, yeah. It's not going to happen an hour from now. Right, right. Yes, exactly. For Time you, the listener, it will be mere seconds well, yeah, from now. Uh, for us, it will. This will be a, over a, the course of several days or, or weeks. Um, but I think what we need to do when we dive into these games is is set up some ground rules. Like, uh, should I should I attempt to play this game to completion? Should I play a certain amount of it? Because I think eventually we may, we may even talk about big RPGs that are you know, sure. tens of hours or, or maybe even hundreds of hours potentially long, that feels a little unwieldy <laughs> to, <laughs> to to dedicate a podcast to uh, with any regularity. So is, is this mean, one that I should just dive in and, and just just finish? I, I, so I think it's worth pointing out that we're both completionists, right? Uh, yeah, okay. that's fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we need to watch out for each other on that one. Okay. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll say on this one, um, you'll probably want to beat this game once you start it. But okay. I doubt that you'll 100% it. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, I don't. I don't want to say more than that. But okay. Um, it's one of those where it escalates quickly if you try to get all the collectibles and things of that sort. Okay. Um, 
That said, you might not even understand that there are collectibles in the game in your first playthrough, so... Hmm. That has me even more intrigued to give this thing <laughs> yeah, a try. So, um, again, I'm, I'm only sort of vague, half remembering some of all the things that go on in, in that aspect of it from the last time I played. But okay. I'm kind of interested to go back to it, too, because, uh, I mean, I'll probably be doing those things. Um, but, yeah, I'm interested to see what you think. We're excited to come back and talk about Fez. Uh, thanks for joining us. I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. And uh, I'm going to blast those chiptunes. Warning. Missing Okay, so through the magic of uh, editing and time, uh, we have had a chance to to play the video game. Years, years have passed <laughs> yeah. in the real world. It is the future. <laughs> uh, robots have taken over the planet, and um, but Fez is still playable on most uh, most PCs and, and retro game consoles. I I had a chance to play Fez. Um, I did have a, a Steam copy of it, and um, I, I did as well. And I, I played a bunch of it too. Yeah, I. Here's here's where I am with Fez. Um, and this is going to sound like a judgment of the game, and this is not what I'm intending it to be. But I got to the point where naturally and organically, I would have drifted away from the title. Um, and I stopped playing it. And I want to talk about that experience because I feel like that's that's kind of central to our podcast, right? Like we're talking about those games, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Those games where, yeah, where you would have sort of naturally drifted away or, or again, we'll talk about a lot of things that are in that pile of shame that maybe started and never played or never even started. But yes, um, I'm curious. I'm curious to what that part of the game was. It's nothing that the game did. So right away, I guess I kind of want to talk about like my initial impressions and like playing it and then how I got to this point. Like um, what I appreciate about Fez um, as as a product is that it is very clearly uh, a game that was made by an auteur, that it is it is someone's vision. Um, And that's what I like about the game. When you sit down and you play Fez, it just kind of the way that it unfolds is, is very seamless. You know, you're, you're this oh, yeah. little sprite dude. Um, Gomez. You're Go- Gomez. Gomez. Thank you. Yes, you're, you're Gomez. Um, you live in a 2D town, in a 2D world, and you are, you are a flatlander. Um, and then through, you know, the opening sequence of the game, the magical fez falls upon your head, and suddenly you find out... Like, I was thinking about how to describe this game, and it's like... 
it's not really like a cube either, because if you, if if he lived on a cube world, he would be able to go to the top and the bottom. He can't. He can turn all four sides of a cube, but he can't go to the top yep. and the bottom. So it's still constrained dimensionality when he goes into three dimensions, but it, it's like a two D being getting some of that taste of three D. Yes, exactly. It would be like if you had a cube. And you drew a picture on the side and then turned it right and drew a picture on the side and turned it right and drew a picture on the side and turned it right again. Then when you turned it right one more time, you would be back to your first picture. That is that is Fez. Like, that's how Fez works. And it's a it's an interesting mechanic. Um, and and uh, it presents some really cool level design because these levels essentially, I mean, I can't figure out how one person lays all this out and makes all these levels flow together in the way that they do because... There are doors that you can go in that will then take you to the opposite side versus, um, you know, just being able to jump to a platform. And then I, I got to some platforms that there were like screws, right? So like then I oh, would yeah, yeah. jump on them yeah. and then the screw would turn. And so then I would have to like turn the camera back or I'd have to think about where the platform is now that it rotates once. And I, I liked all of that stuff. And I, I thought that was really um, that was really interesting. Um, yeah, I think it fits well into that genre of. Uh, puzzle platformer, right? Yes. There's platforming elephant elements, but it's largely uh, platforming about that elephants. Puzzle. Sorry, <laughs> platforming elephants, man. I want to play that game. Hold on, I need to search Steam for platforming elephants. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it it's yeah, puzzle platformer is is the best description because you need to um, you need to be thinking about the dimensions that you can't see in certain scenarios. And, and, and I liked that. And I thought that was, was rewarding. I thought the progression was pretty natural. The fact that you have to collect these little mini cubes and then they make a big cube. And then that's like the currency that, I mean, think like super Mario games, like especially, you know, the first, um, the first 3d Mario games where there were a lot of doors where you had to collect a thing, usually stars or shines, um, that then unlock the next door, um, that you can get to it. It works kind of like that. Um, but I think, I think where I am with this game is is nothing of the game's fault. It is uh, a, an incredibly artistic game, um, and and you know a fine argument for that video games can be art. Uh, I think, but much like art, sometimes art doesn't resonate with you. And I think Fez is. I'm I'm struggling to connect with Fez because when I play games. Um, I'm looking for one of two things or preferably both of these things. And if, if both of these things happen, it really gets its hooks in me. I'm looking for something that's, that's technically, um, I don't want to say demanding, but technically complex enough to be rewarding. Um, it's probably why I gravitate towards a lot of, uh, shooter games because, uh, the interaction of mastering a certain weapon and then some are used up close and some are used far away and then um, there's interaction with enemy combatants and sometimes you have to rip their shields off and then take them down after that uh, or RPGs and working your way through a skill tree and then finding combos that work. Um, you didn't find the uh, skill tree in Fez? I did not find the Fez <laughs> skill tree. No, I, I did not. Um, so, I mean, if a game has that, I'm usually very much into it. Um, or if a game has a really compelling like narrative um and there's a narrative in fez but it's um it's loose enough that it's i don't find it compelling i have a hard time like connecting with gomez as a character right because he's a little pixel guy you know and it's like okay that's neat but i you know i i 
if, if there's a, an enriching story that I can either read and soak up um, or, or lore or backstory or really well voice acted characters that interact with each other, like, you know, again, those are games that I gravitate towards. So without those two elements, I, I wasn't finding the puzzle play enough to really keep me wanting to come back. Um, so I, I think this is, I think this actually plays really well. Um, to, to the points I, w I have, actually, because... Um, so before we started, we kind of said, should I go first, should you go first? And I said, yeah, you go first. Uh -huh. So I want to hear what you have to say. Um, and I think I actually have lots of good points that talk a lot to this. Um, largely because... So so I played this game um, years ago. I want to say maybe 2014-ish. Um, okay. that's, that's about when it came out, I think. I don't want to say a number that's before it came out. But um, I think it was 2014-ish. <clears throat> And um, one of the themes that I think is going to show up in this podcast is my reluctance to ever play New Game Pluses. That, that's going to come up, right? I'm, I'm just tossing that on the pilot. Like, <laughs> okay. Um, that, that's a, a character trait of me. And one of the interesting things I think about Fez is, um, it, is it feels very daunting to, from a completionist standpoint. I'm also, and you are as well, Burns, right? A completionist. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That you look at that achievement list and you think, man, I want, I want all those. Um, tell me how to get all those. And often when you look at one that it seems insurmountable, like, well, you know, maybe I'll just beat the game and then be done with it. Uh, and I think the first time through Fez, I was very much in that mindset of looking at it and thinking, wow, this is pretty insurmountable. And didn't I, I enjoyed it right I, I and I really enjoyed this game and I look back nostalgically on playing it the first time um but I beat it and then I was like well I, I, there's essentially a new game plus when you beat it if you haven't gotten all the collectibles and um I was like yeah I guess that's enough and and I didn't play it anymore uh until we we talked about it here uh on the first half of this this podcast um and I've gone back to it now in a new save file and um just played it like crazy. Um, and I think part of it is that the first time through years ago, it was pretty daunting and it was hard to tie everything together. And now this time, um, I, I beat the core of the game, right? The, the first run through relatively quickly. Cause I know the mechanisms, I know the mechanics. Um, and then it was like, well, I guess I have to get all the cubes and stuff now. And I've been enjoying that. Hmm. Um, but a question I had for you, and we were talking the other day, and I kind of teased this, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to ask this question before we were on air, but um, you mentioned that it's he's a little pixel guy, pixel guy he can't talk, there's not really a story. Um, have you found the alphabet? No. Uh-uh. No, I have not gotten that far yet. Okay. So, And I think that's a big difference between, because my first playthrough through, I did not. And so I thought of it as a game that really didn't have any story or anything like that. And this playthrough, I found the alphabet. <laughs> um, and I mean, I won't tell you, well, I'll, t I'll tell you that it's in there pretty cleverly. And you've seen these characters on pillars and stuff if you played at all, right? Mm -hmm. I, there's, mm -hmm. um, there's one pillar that has a whole bunch of this text on it. And then there is a uh, fox, uh, kind of jumping over a dog and if you piece together the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog that's what the pillar says in this language mm -hmm. um which then conveniently gives you all the characters um 
And that's an interesting point to then be able to like sit down with a pad of paper and write out the story, transcribe the story essentially um, from these essentially extra dimensional characters that kind of screw up Gomez's world. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, but that's a, that's a weird take that I did not get on my first playthrough. Hmm. Okay. I, and again, it kind of comes back to like all of that in abstract comes down to something that's like, well, okay, I respect that. I don't sure. know if I want to play it. <laughs> so that's <laughs> sure, sure. that's kind of where I am, where it's like, I, I, it's not that, um, it's not that this game is, is poor by any stretch. It's, it's actually like the, the one thing that I remember when, uh, on one of my longer play sessions, um, where I sat down, I mean, it wasn't super long. It was probably, you know, a couple hours. Um, I remember thinking that the game had a really, um, uh, a really fascinating sense of exploration, um, because, uh, initially, like when I, when I play games, um, almost exclusively, like I try to map my, it's almost like you get planted in the middle of a Cartesian coordinate system. Right. And you're like, okay, so right here is zero, 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 zero. Right. Like this is, yep. this is home base. And then I'm going to, I'm going to go off in this direction for a little bit, but then eventually I'm going to come back to where I know an anchor is. And then I'm going to go off in this direction for a little bit. Yep, and, and, yep. and like, um, that's how I typically like interact with game worlds because then it's like, okay, I know I can come back and then I can do X, Y, and Z and I can reset and then I can go deeper. Um, and, and what Fez did really quickly was you just go in, you know, door after door, after door, after door. And eventually you just kind of lose yourself to the madness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I really respected the heck out of the game for making me feel comfortable with that because the, a lot of times in games, if I, d if I'm going down a road and I'm like, I don't think I know how to get back. Like I just kind of backtrack oh, yeah. <laughs> instinctively. Well, and, and there is, um, the difference in this one, right? We're used to games where you turn your character, but the world stays the same. Right. And this is one where your character stays the same, but you spin the world. Yes. And that just screws with your sense of direction like you would never believe. Yeah. Um, yep. And, and allows you to get totally lost instantly. Yes. Um, and I think that also speaks to the first playthrough I had of it. There is a map, right? A, a complex 3D map of all the different levels. Mm -hmm. um, that you could look at and think, wow, this is absurd. And I think through the, in the first playthrough, I was like, wow, this is absurd. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to uncover all this. And this time I'm methodically looking and saying, okay, well, here's a branch that I could clear. That I could find all the stuff in, and then that's done. And then I can move to this other branch. And, and doing it much more methodically than I think I was willing to do years ago, um, for whatever reason, I guess. Hmm. Interesting. I, I, you know, I'm... I'm at a crossroads with it because I, I like it so much um, in theory that I'm it is one of those games that I'm also um, I'm willing to do more, you know, right? Like I there are some shows maybe that you watch or, or maybe, um, yeah, I guess TV show would be probably the best analog where you sit down and in the first couple of episodes or maybe the first two or three episodes, you don't like absolutely love, you know, you're not like, oh my God, I got to see what's next. But there's enough potential there where you're like, I'm going to stick around and see where this goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like that with Fez. And, and again, I'm fully, you know, you talked a lot about what you bring to the podcast as a, as a, as a video game player. 
I am fully laying out that this n- n- at no way at all is me not wanting to play Fez a reflection on Fez. <laughs> like, this is what I'm bringing to the table. It's not Fez, yeah, it's yeah, me. No, uh, no 100%. <laughs> this, is just, this is just how I'm built. So I guess one of the things that I, I was going to put to you was, um, so you know the game, obviously, pretty well i mean you've played through it uh now twice have you have you finished it again on on this this second go around so yes and no so um yes in that i've beaten it once so when you have a save file um the save file it has a percentage um but very quickly you'll get over 100 percent so I think I'm at like 180% or 170% maybe. <laughs> you did it. Um, <laughs> um, but that said, uh, so I have not completed everything. I'm, I'm maybe maybe three-ish hours from, I would say, 100% completion. Okay. Um, and I'll probably put in that time. Um, okay. I, I put in a little bit earlier today, but I just haven't put in enough to, to finish it. But... Um, yeah, I think I've gotten a ton more out of this second playthrough too, that again, I looked back nostalgically on this, but, um, I think I was more lukewarm about it looking back than I am now having played a whole bunch more of it. Okay. Okay. So your excitement has grown now that you've played it. Yeah. And and it's a lot of small, subtle things. Uh, I I would ask a question. So you're playing it on, on steam. Yep. I was playing it there too. Um, what's your setup? What, what, what's your controller? What's your, uh, audio sort of setup? Um, I, I have largely been trying to play it, um, with an Xbox one controller, um, that I've got just cabled in to my PC. Um, I, I mean, I will say that the Xbox 360 controller is much better, but really, really? <laughs> well, that's me. That's controllers, but okay. the, the okay. Xbox 360 controller is such a perfect controller. Yeah. Although, although I will put out there that I really like the Duke too. So, <laughs> you know, complete side so don't, note: <laughs> don't take my opinion on controllers. If you actually, I think it's possible. I believe, uh, and this is not, we're not sponsored. In fact, our podcast still doesn't have a name, so I mean, we don't have a sponsor yet. But I believe a company called Hyperkin has actually made uh, a, a full replica of the original Xbox Duke controller <laughs> uh, that you can buy. So if you wanted to. Paul, that could be a dream that you could fulfill. You I could. mean, if it's USB, I mean, I'll toss it on Steam. But no. <laughs> it's definitely. I think it just uses the Xbox One driver set. So I mean, I think that, you can just, would, that would make sense. Yeah, you can just plug um, it in and go. Um, so I'm I'm doing that. I'm playing with the Xbox One controller. Um, I've got headphones? just. Uh, yep, I've got nice, you know, studio headphones on. I actually played it once with headphones, um, and then once without. Um, I liked the headphones a lot more. The soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, we talked talked about it last time. Um, the soundtracks by Disaster Piece, and I, I mentioned um, I, I'm a fan of Disaster Piece. I, I, I'm a fan of uh, Chip Tunes, but I really like Disaster Piece, um, largely for his work on this soundtrack. Right, this is a great soundtrack. Yeah. Um, the, the soundtrack is very easy to get in lots of places. There's some um, remix versions of it too. Um, Fez uh, Side F and Side Z, which are both great remix albums of the soundtrack. But um, nice. The, the reason I asked about the headphones, though, too, is one of the things this playthrough where I was like, wow, this is different than the last time, um, was a puzzle that I was trying to do. So you, you go into a room, right? And I, it, there's, it's an empty room. There's like a pillar or something. I'm going to describe it poorly. Um, but I'm like, well, okay, I'll try to go stand on that pillar. And then 
in my earphones, this like really low frequency beat, like just buzz essentially. Um, and it was like left, 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 right, right, left, or something of that sort in my headphones. I'm like, okay. And, and it's repeating. Um, like, well, okay, I'll try spinning the world left, left, whatever I just said. Um, and then that's a puzzle and a cube pops shows oh, up on screen. Wow. And it's wow. like, wow, that's a subtle audio clue that like, if you were playing it on a television, I, you, you wouldn't know, get it. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that really would be lost on you, but picking up those small cues in the world, um, especially one that is, was so subtle as like a real, real low frequency audio hum, mm-hmm. um, was really pretty cool. And and some of that puzzle platforming, even beyond the, the like uniqueness of the 3D, um, maybe two and a half D puzzle platforming, um, it has a lot of those weird puzzles that you just don't catch the first time, or hmm. you wouldn't think to think it was a puzzle. Um, there's also a set of, so it sounds like you didn't find any of the codes. I don't want to say that in a, I want to say that in a mean way, but <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, no, I so don't, I don't think I did. No. Huh. So there's a Tetramino code too, I would say. So you've seen these like Tetris blocks all over the place. They're yeah. also a code. Yeah. Um, and so like, I've got a pad of paper next to the, my computer right here that just has the, the writings of a madman on it of, of all this like code that I'm flipping through. <laughs> I, I love Just the pages idea. Pages and pages of, of cryptic up arrows, <laughs> down arrows, Tetris pieces. Um, as I write it out and then and then run that code through the the um, through the inputs essentially. I love the idea that your <laughs> your wife just like stumbles upon your cryptic readings, <laughs> your writings, you know, and it, it plays out like The Shining. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> what is triangle Tetris piece left S piece left triangle square right triangle left S? You put it into the matrix and it comes out, you know, all work and no play makes Paul a dull boy. Oh, man. Yep. <laughs> Oh yeah, but goodness. but I think the puzzle finding element this time was something that really made it. Um, I think that's what made it feel a lot more fun this time. The like, yeah, having to break out sheets of paper um, that I didn't do that first time through. Hmm. I think I think it's really compelling that there can be. Uh, you've probably laid out the best case again for this being a really, you know, a truly art game, right? Because it's like no. No major video game studio would leave that much content in a game potentially completely skipped, um, you know, by a casual playthrough. Like there oh, would be a hundred percent, yeah. There would be way more handholding and way more like now you need to do this and more on-screen stuff to uh, to do that. It almost, it, you know, it almost harkens back to um, the eight-bit era of video games, right? Where like there would be a manual that came with your with your cartridge, and then in the back there would just be a notes section, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because um, you needed to write that down to know where to go. I mean, like, you know, the original Metroid for NES like did not have an overworld map, right? Mm. <laughs> you know so you had to you you if you didn't do that you just would never finish the game because you would just never know where to go um i think that's cool i think that's really cool so so what i was toying around with this idea because you know i've kind of i've i've laid it all out there that that i i appreciate the game even if i don't like necessarily like love it and find myself driven to go back and play it 
Um, and I thought this would be fun for the first episode of this here podcast. I don't know if this will be a new tradition or, or what have you, but um, I might put the power in your hands here, Paul, even if we don't come back and talk about this specific game and if our next episode is very likely to be about a different game. Um, I will let you decide, should I... Do, do I need to go back and finish this game? Or or am I free to walk away? If I put the power in your hands, what's your van? <laughs> I'm giving you a lot of power here, Paul. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, you know, I'm I'm tempted on both sides. Um, okay. I'm I'm. What well, my my temptation would be to say, you know, try to find some of these secrets or try to find some of the things that I just talked about. Um, I think I'll probably be pretty um, anti that largely in this podcast because of the, you know, the high school book effect. Right. But no matter how cool a book is, if somebody tells you to read it, you're not going to enjoy it as much. Right. Yeah. Um, but the other side of me is, is also that mentality that I didn't get as much out of this game the first playthrough. And I sort of stopped. Um, I, you know, I beat it. I, I got end game essentially. Um, but it took four-ish years to come back and really like sit down and think, wow, I missed a lot of stuff on that first playthrough. Um, and so I think having a little bit of time in there it potentially does help. Um, okay. I, I would say if we had listeners who had played this before and did kind of what I was describing of you beat it, but you didn't find any of these secrets, that it is a game that holds up. Maybe I'll say it that way. Um that you were talking about Burns that this feels like a game that you would love to be playing on the Switch. Oh, 100%. Um, yes. Absolutely. This would port so easily to any console. Um Yeah. And and like you said the fact that it's on Steam and is playable on any computer. Um it is something that still holds up a l because it's pixelated, right? Because it's in that old style. Um it does not feel dated. In yeah. the slightest. Yeah. It is um, effectively it, timeless. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's one of those games that is just going to be fun whenever you play it. So I, I would say whether or not you put in some time now and try to find some of these secrets or try to, you know, beat the game. I'm doing air quotes. Right. Um, even if you came back in a while and said, hey, you know, I never finished this. Maybe I'll give it a go again. I think either of those ways are going to get some enjoyment out of it. So. Okay. Okay, cool. I, um, you know, maybe uh, down the line, um, after we get uh, some more pods out there, uh, we, we may revisit this at some point if I, if I do come back and finish it and find some of that stuff, or it might be an, an extra, or, or who knows. Um, yeah, we need to make a list of those, and then, you know, anytime mm -hmm. you draw from the list, <laughs> we just talk about it. Yeah, that's right. Spin the wheel. See what happens. Um, well, cool. I, I think, um, gosh, I, I really... I enjoyed this discussion about the game almost as much as I enjoyed playing the actual game. And I did, I did enjoy it. It's just, um, I, I really like, I really just like itching to open up steam and keep playing it now. Now that we had this discussion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it, um, you know, we're, we're still, we're still finding a name for the, for the podcast. So obviously when, uh, if, if we do publish this, this is kind of a pilot episode that we're, we're doing to, uh, to, to play with the format see if, uh, this podcast is going to work. Uh, so eventually, I mean, we'll have like social media stuff and, and, and email addresses and all that stuff but uh if if you're hearing this now um check the next episode we may have more <laughs> details or, on or you know we might drop in voices before and after 
this of our older selves for the future yes. telling you all that information so a future where i may have in fact uh found gomez's hidden puzzles and 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 cracked some of these secrets but uh but yeah i um i i really what i what i also find fascinating about this is and we didn't really talk about this too much and i don't i don't want to go down this rabbit hole too much but i think um also the fact that it was made by phil fish who i did some reading about um and i didn't realize like the following two things um that he was a originally slated to develop a sequel uh to this game yeah there, there yeah i read about that yeah and and it was um apparently actively being developed and then he just abruptly uh and i think 2013 um he got into an online argument of of some fair note uh, at the time and he just basically said i quit i'm not doing games anymore goodbye everyone um and apparently has has been out of the indie game scene ever since which i think is a real tragedy because um for this to be such a strong effort from a very young um you know game developer uh, an indie developer shows that i mean this guy could have made some incredible stuff um but yeah yeah it, it this definitely is on that list of when i think of the sort of new classic indie games this is up there and i mean that's mm -hmm. that's why we kind of settled on this one for this pilot episode because it, it's on that list uh yeah. of those sort of indie games that you know did a lot of work in this space yeah absolutely absolutely so well paul i think that about does it uh, for what i've got for fez unless you have anything else i think we'll wrap this uh this initial playthrough or this initial uh, discussion about our very first uh video game that we're talking about on the podcast yeah, it sounds good. Okay. Well, coming soon, we'll have a name and then probably a <laughs> website. Uh, other games. <laughs> other games. Maybe um, other people, guests, surprises, stunts. Okay, if you're doing stunts, uh, I'm in. Let's do some stunts. I mean, we're going to play a game that has stunts in it at some point, right? Yeah, Excite Bike. Why not? Um, oh, I was, man, I was thinking biking games too, but yeah, wow, Excite Bike. <laughs> SSX never Tricky. You know, let's, uh, what are the. That achievement list on Excite Bike, complicated. <laughs> so we'll figure all that out. But uh, until next time, I am Jason. And I'm Paul. And um, yeah, keep playing those games. And always hit uh, hit right bumper and see if you can flip around the next corner. <laughs>